0: Well, we are continuing where we left off in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Lord willing, we're going to go through a bit of text this morning as we tie it all together. If you remember last week, we started talking about marriage, sexuality in marriage, the foundation of marriage, that God created it, um, its importance. And this week, we got some questions to ask. Is it better to be single or to be married? Is it better to be Married to somebody who's great but separated because of economic reasons or other reasons like the military? Or is it better to be single and alone than that separated? Is it better to have a great spouse but not, have to, but not together? Or is it better to be married to a non-believer? Is it better that we get married fast or take our time and get married slow? Oh, we have all these different questions, these real-life questions, and, and the, Paul's going to address them now, as the Corinthians had asked him last week, was it better to be single? Was it, was it better just not even to get married? And I remember when, I was a long time ago, I was single, I, I couldn't help, I, I was just needed to find somebody, and then when I found somebody, it's time to get married. And when you're engaged, then you just can't wait to get married. And then you're married, and you're like, well, then it's time to have kids. And then when it's time to have kids, there's, always, there's just always something else, and we're always desiring something more, what somebody else has. And Paul's going to speak to us as he spoke to the Corinthians this morning as we jump into verse 17 to answer those questions. Let's, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we've got some really heavy questions and some different situations in each and every one of us. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us as you spoke to the Corinthians. And we pray, Lord, that we would have exactly what you have for us this morning as you give us these answers and speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look at verse 17 through 24 together, chapter 7. But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. Be who you are in Christ. All of us come from different situations, and all of us can get caught in the what's next, what do I need, where do I need to be, we, we start looking at somebody else's marriage and we think we need to have that marriage or we're, we're, we're single and we think that we need to get hooked up with somebody and, and somebody's telling you to wait and other people are telling you to go. and We we just need to relax. In all states, be who we are in Christ. What they had asked in Corinth previously last week was, do, do I need to be a monk to be really holy? Do, do I need to be separated? Do I need to be celibate? Do I need to be completely dedicated to God? Is it better not to get married? And remember last week Paul said, if you're burning with passion, it's better you get married. Don't, don't stumble each other. Don't stumble anyone. But we need to see what the Bible tells us. See, some of us feel like we're enslaved to our situation. And, and so he speaks here to people who are literally owned by somebody else. In the Roman world, the majority of living human beings are slaves. They're not citizens. They have no rights. They don't get a vote. They don't get to ask for a raise. They don't get to unionize. You are somebody else's property. And some of us we feel that way. Maybe you feel that way in your situation financially. Maybe you feel that way in a relationship. Maybe you feel that way in loneliness. Uh, maybe you feel like you're trapped and there's no escape. What does Paul tell us as a Christian? He says it here in verse 21, "Were you called while a slave?" Do not be concerned about it. Now, maybe you feel trapped. Maybe you feel like you're enslaved in a situation. Maybe it's in a marriage. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something else. But don't be concerned. Don't be worried. See, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we, were brought, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. If I could go back to myself back then, I would just tell him, I would tell myself, enjoy it. Whatever state we were at, just enjoy it. When I was single, man, just relax. I've been married now, I think, longer than I have been actually single. I know some people can relate here. When I was engaged, when you're, you're just constantly always thinking of that wedding, getting married, getting married, getting married, just relax, just enjoy it. When you're, single, when you're married and you have no kids, and you're just trying to have kids. I remember Megan and I we were trying to have kids for years. We had we did difficulty with that. Should have enjoyed that time a little bit more, too. And now you have kids, it's like, well, yeah, now they're going to grow up, and then it's the next grade, it's the next grade, it's the next grade, it's the next thing. Godliness with contentment. Some of us here, you know, you're retired, you, you spent your whole life rushing to get where you're at now. And it's amazing that you're still rushing to get wherever you need to go. Or, or you're with a spouse, and you think, man, I made the wrong choice. I, I should have done X, Y, and Z. Or maybe there's some difficulty or, or trouble in the relationship. You can be content in whatever state you are right now. And if you feel trapped, don't be concerned about it. Relax. Now, notice, though, Paul doesn't say, hey, stay a slave. If you're a slave, be a slave. What does he say there in verse 22? Uh, at the end of verse 21 going into verse 22. But if you can be made free, rather use it. Hey, if you can not be a slave, let's tr- prefer not to be a slave. Better to be free. For he who is called by the, in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. At that time period, in Corinth and in the first century A.D., Men and women didn't gather together. Free and slave did not gather together. Jews and Gentiles did not gather together. It was only in the Christian church where people were gathered together. We see that if you're stuck in whatever situation you're in, maybe it's employment, maybe it's in your home, maybe it's a situation where we start to rebel. See, because what happens when you get into a trap, when you feel trapped? You're more peaceable, right? You're more comfortable. You're relaxed. No, you get more aggressive. You start being assertive. You start fighting with that person or that situation. You start causing a little gossip. But the Bible tells us in Romans 12, if at all possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. We should be seeking out to live in peace, even when things get difficult. Notice it does say as much as is possible. Sometimes it's not possible. But as I was saying, when they gather together with all these different backgrounds, all these people that are supposed to not touch, not be around each other, not interact with each other, the Bible tells us in the church, in Christ, in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All together in Him. Paul would say, in whatever state I am, Whether I'm abased or whether I'm abound, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is he saying? He's saying if I'm rich or I'm poor, if everything's going great or everything's going financially bad, it doesn't matter because I can do all things through who? Through Christ. Not through ourselves. Not through what we do. He leads and directs us. So wherever you are right now, last week you might have been left off thinking, well, I need to get married and I need to get married fast. Well, hold, hold on, hold on. Paul's going to talk to us now about that in verses 25 through 28. He says, Now concerning virgins, I'll make sure I didn't skip something there. I feel like I just taught this. Half of you guys got it. (laughs) Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in His mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. Now concerning virgins, who says that? What is he he talking about? Remember, in this time frame, nobody is getting married for love. Just, in the first century, it is just not even heard of that people are going to go out there and date and just feel good about someone and pick that person. No, the father chooses the husband for the bride. They make the deal. And so when Paul is saying here concerning virgins, he's saying, Okay, hey, you dads, you dads have single uh, ladies, you have daughters at home. Are you supposed to marry them or not marry them? That's the question. He's saying, it doesn't really matter. I don't know. I don't have a commandment from God here. He says, I have no commandment from the Lord. He says, but I give judgment as one who the Lord has had mercy, in his mercy, has made trustworthy. He's saying, hey, with everything that's going on right now, if you can keep them single and they can be 100% dedicated to the Lord, great. If they, if they can't, marry them off. It doesn't matter. So your righteousness, your holiness, how close you are to God has nothing to do with whether or not you are married or not. You see, our righteousness comes from the blood of Jesus Christ alone. Uh, Let me give you an example uh, of some some cultural situation where this has happened in history. Back in 1525 in Germany, there was a huge scandal. The gossip magazines were going crazy. You see, there was a man by the name of Martin Luther who was a monk who on June 13 married a 26-year-old woman named Catherine von Bora. There were gossip magazines out. Saying that they were in an incestuous relationship, that it was a disgrace, that it was unholy. Why would they say that? Were they related? No. You see, Catherine von Bormann, Bora, excuse me, and Martin Luther had both given vows of celibacy to God. They had vowed that they were going to be a monk and a nun for the rest of their lives married to Jesus. However, reading 1 Corinthians and seeing that it would be better to be married. Then to burn with passion, which we just spoke about, they, they decided to get married. So what what the ridicule? <coughs> the ridicule at that time was because they had made vows to God in marriage, they were brothers and sisters in Christ, and therefore they were related to each other and were breaking a covenant with God to get married. How unholy. How, what a disgrace. Literally some of the gossip magazines at that time said That their children would die or be an abomination or an antichrist because of this decision. They would go on to have six wonderful children together. But you see how the culture was putting on them what Paul had spoken of centuries before the same thing. Hey, if you're going to get married, get married. If you're not, you're not. In whatever state I am, do all things in Christ. It doesn't make you more or less spiritual. He's going to talk to us here soon about what the priority is. But if you're married, be married. If you're not, you need to get married. He just told us earlier, then get married. If you don't need to get married, what is the priority? What is the overarching decision here? What is the most important thing? Do you have peace with God? Are you walking with God? Whether you're a slave or you're free, whether you're married or you're not, whether you are are lonely or you feel entrapped financially, whatever whatever state you are, be content. Remember what I said earlier, godliness with contentment is great gain. You can't buy it. Now in verses 29 through 31, Paul's going to continue. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. Two things we want to look at. The first thing is this term, the time is short, because two portions of the church look at this differently. One portion of the church, the right side, the correct side, says that Jesus is coming back soon. The time is soon. It was soon then. The imminency of Christ's return. He's coming back now. So he's saying, like, what does it, get, what, what does it matter to get married if, if the Lord... Oops, wow, I'm trying in English. If the Lord's coming back in a week, then what does it matter? If you get married, you don't get married. You know, he's coming back, like right now. Things are going to get tough. Things are going to get difficult. But the Lord's coming soon. There's another portion of the church, however, that says that... There, there is no rapture. God's not coming back. The time is short as speaking of looking at Fox News, CNN. Things are difficult. Difficult times are coming. See, at that time it was before 72 AD. The Romans were going to come. They're going to destroy Jerusalem. Maybe they knew that that was coming at that time. It doesn't make any sense to me because the entire history of the nation of Israel is constant calamity and disaster and wars and famine and destruction. So why would it be different then? Why would they not want to get married at that time but previously they would that that doesn't make sense it doesn't add up and but we're seeing number two here there's a second principle you know we have with in our fellowship several many people from latin america that have to be separated from their spouses for months for years at a time this one person tries to get some economic resources because of the calamities that have happened in their nation And, and here they are for years separated from each other Maybe, maybe it would have been better to be single. I think not. As, I'll tell you right now. Me personally, I cannot do it without my spouse. Without my bride, I can't do it. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But are you also willing to go through that heartache and through that trial together? Are you willing to be separated? It is not easy. Now, others of us are connected with somebody right now. We're close, and we wish there was a way that you could get away for a couple of years. Because you're in a you're in a difficult spot. Are, are you seeking after the Lord? Is that the Lord's will for you? We're always looking to somebody else's problems. But remember, Jesus is coming back quickly. Why why worry so much about the long term plans? Why not serve the Lord today, right where you're at? I, I think of spouses that are separated, from, military spouses gone on T D Y, gone on. Um, operations gone for war separated for a time the heartache and then the rejoicing of coming back together and sometimes not so we're always so consumed with our present trials or a future trial like he's saying here and sometimes it's better to stay single for a little bit the foremost important thing is not to be tricked into thinking that everyone else has it better than you. It's not to be tricked by the enemy to think that God is blessing other people and not you. Because remember, he had just told them, whether you're slave or free, whether you're married or not, just trust after God. He is the priority. And that's what he's going to tell us here now in verses 32 through 35. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord. How he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world. How he may please his wife. There's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Remember, my, like Martin Luther, you're not more or less holy based on your marital status. But what is the priority here? Marry off your daughters or not, be separated or not, to have difficulties or not, to be in union to not, to, to look at all these different situations and think somebody else has it better than me. No. No, you could boil it all down to this verse at the end of verse 35, But for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. However state you're in, whatever state your marriage is in, your workplace, your financial straits, your emotional state, it should be secondary to serving God. It should be secondary to peace with God. Then you could be like Paul who said, Whatever state I am, whether I'm abased or whether I abound, I I can do all things through who? Christ." who strengthens me. He didn't say, once my situation improves, then I can really start loving the Lord. No, he, he said it didn't matter. Remember in Timothy, it says, well, if we have clothes and food, then praise God, we are so blessed. We have so much. But our perspective is always what I don't have, what I don't have, what I can't have, what's not going on. I'll tell you another story that I heard of a man who had gone through a divorce he had lost his kids. He had abandoned them. He had been separated from them. He fought them in court. He tried not to pay alimony. He tried not to pay child support. Let them have their own lives, he thought. But he, he ended up going to church, and he got saved and became a Christian. He was convicted. He, he wanted to go back and provide for his family. He wanted to be a good husband. He wanted to be a good father. But the wife, the former wife, would had nothing to do with them, the kids, nothing. So he started to pay the child support and the alimony then he started to pay a little extra he put more on top he he didn't just buy the gifts on christmas and and birthdays and send a card he actually started giving his ex-wife more money over the alimony and the child support for week after week month after month still the calls would drop off but suddenly he started having more interactions with his kids some phone calls and some visits he started speaking with his ex-wife why are you doing this i'm a believer things have changed until eventually they had reconciled and remarried. But, but why do that? Why give the extra blessing? Why go to the extra mile? Why, why, why do that? Because he wanted to serve God. He wanted to do what God was putting on his heart. He wanted the things that God wanted. When I make that personal application, and I don't want any boohooing, I, I, remember, I told you, I cannot do this without my spouse. I can't. But I could, if I had chosen earlier, just live here. I wouldn't have to have a salary. I could live on very little by myself. I could be fully dedicated to the Lord. Then we wouldn't have to worry. But I do have to pay for my children and my home, and I have to provide for them, and I want to provide for them. And Paul's saying, you need to. Paul's saying, though, I don't want to do that. I just want to be 100% dedicated to God. So does that mean that I should, should divorce my wife and leave my kids to be full-time ministry? That's what Paul's saying here. No, it doesn't matter. What does matter? What is the point? That you serve the Lord without distraction. So if you do have a family here, fathers, and this is for that extremist now. This is for that one that wants to you know, quit everything and just be completely dedicated to the Lord. He wants to abandon his family. The Lord is very, very clear in 1 Timothy 5.8 But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Underline that there. Worse than an unbeliever. God is crystal clear. If you abandon your family, men, the Lord does not look kindly on that. Absolutely not. Well, then, does that mean that I need to take like, a, as much time as possible away from the church to serve my family and to take care of them? I'm like, what is going on? I think that in the church, our pastors have begun to err more on the side of taking care of their family over the church. They've gotten even a little bit crazy. You don't want to sacrifice your children on the altar of the church. You're not going to sacrifice your family. But what's the line? I like what Brian and said in one of his church planning teachings back in the day. He said, yes, you need to take care of your family. You need to be dedicated to your family. But if somebody in your fellowship calls you in the middle of the night and their wife is dying in the hospital and you say, I'm sorry, it's family gang night, you probably are in the wrong. You probably don't have your priorities right. And so there's too many that are just taking sabbaticals and they're just taking whole time off. They got, they got more time with your family. So how do you find the balance? Me, personally, I look at the world. I, I look at families who have made decisions of sacrifice together. They're working two jobs. They're going to school after hours. They're trying to get ahead. I, I look at families from South America. They are telling each other, we're going to be separated for several years, so you can go ahead so we can pay our bills, so we can keep things afloat, so we can eat. And they're willing to go through great service and great sacrifice just to keep things together how much more so can we be dedicated to god and so that's that is the conviction for all of us do you know the average american is spending 20 hours a week on a tablet on a phone on a screen of some kind 20 that's a part-time job and yet we try and fit god how long do you put aside for your daily devotion for your prayer time for your church turn for time talking to god just praying well we can't fit it in we're too busy And yet we're having a discussion on whether or not to get married, whether or not to have a family so they can be fully dedicated to God. We're not dedicating 15 minutes a day, y'all. It says here at the end of verse 35 that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Can you think of any generation that's more distracted than us? Stop it. Stop it. But start thinking in those terms. God comes first. Our life choices are not based on our physical comfort and financial gain or emotional well-being or just keeping up appearances with people and pretenses. We don't get married just because everybody else gets married. We get married because God's calling us to. We don't stay single because we want to be special because God's calling you to. What can you do to be dedicated to God? You see. Some people, especially young people, think in the church, if I just get married, all my problems are going to go away. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, all your problems double. (laughs) There's two sinners together. Warren Wearsby, in his commentary, says, It is impossible for two people to live together without burdens of one kind or another. But there is no need to rush into marriage and create more problems. Marriage requires a measure of maturity, and age is no guarantee of maturity. Y'all that run around Sin City know that's true. <laughs> age is no guarantee of maturity. But what about this dedication? See, guys like George Whitfield and John Wesley, historically, they maybe have been better off not getting married. Me personally, remember, I can't do it. It ain't happening. I got stuff. See, Wesley's wife left him after being traveling so often, being gone so much, being so dedicated to God. And George Whitfield's wife would constantly be saying how lonely she was, how abandoned she was. And so maybe those guys shouldn't have. Stories of Billy Sunday's wife screaming at him at this, during his sermons, his altar calls. Maybe it would have been better if they had just been dedicated 100% to God. For others, though, like myself, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get up in the morning without my wife. Just ask her. <laughs> but what does the chapter here close in saying? Let's read verses 36 through 40. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly towards his virgin, if she has passed the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfastly in his heart having no necessity but has power over his own will, and is so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage does well. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And I think I also have the Spirit of God. Remember that, speaking of his virgin, that's a thats a father speaking of his daughter. Like, yeah, you don't have to give her off in marriage. You don't have to if you don't want to. You want to have her dedicated to God? Fine. Notice there's no choice in that. The dad makes the decisions back then. You know, maybe we should bring a little bit of this first century culture back in. I can hear my daughter screaming in the back, no. <laughs> but are we dedicated at all to God? Are we... Are we dedicating portions of our life or portions of our time to the things of God? Here, they're making decisions, whole family choices based on, yeah, but does this interfere with my time with God? Does this interfere with my time with God? Hey, you know, I want to watch that movie, but does it interfere with my time with God? Maybe not. Oh, I want to get married. I want to be in a relationship. I don't want to be in a relationship because, 100%, because, this is affecting my relationship with God or not. It's completely foreign to us, isn't it? Now, there may be some of you who'd be like, well, I'm just going to divorce my spouse, and she doesn't want to be with me anyway. I'll just get out. He, he, she, them. We need to remember that divorce is an abomination to God. Don't take my word for it. You know, that's a strong, that is a strong term. What does God think? In Malachi chapter 2, verse 14, Yet you say for what reason because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant but he did not make but did he not make them one having a remnant of the spirit and why one he seeks godly offspring therefore take heed to your spirit and let none of you let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce for it covers one garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Yeah, but didn't Jesus say that we could get divorced in adultery? Didn't Paul say that if we get abandoned, we can go through divorce? Yes, yes, but he hates it. Yes, we are going to have the grace. Maybe you had two, three, four divorces in your life. Dedicate yourself now to God. You, you, the, his mercies are new every day. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. You can't go back. You can't take it back. There's no take But you can start over. Maybe you're thinking about it now. Just You can walk through grace, the grace of God. There are, there are times when it is permitted, but he never likes it. He hates it. It's an abomination to him. When we make these decisions, when we're going through life and we're talking about these things, is it because... We're prioritizing our faith in God, or are we asking God to just bless our circumstances? Notice that when Paul said this, whether I'm abased or whether I'm abound, I can do all things through Christ. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, well, God better give me all this stuff, otherwise he doesn't really love me. Well, God didn't give me this real spouse, so he's abandoned me. God didn't give me this financial gain, so he, you know, he's abandoned me. He doesn't love me. I made these bad choices. No. Your financial situation has nothing to do with your righteousness. Your relationship situation has nothing to do with your righteousness. It's 100% given to you freely by the blood of Jesus Christ. Whatever state you are, remember godliness with contentment is great gain. If you feel like you're enslaved today, as we started this sermon, remember, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If you can get out of it, great. If you can't, that's all right. Because all things work together for the good for those that love Him. Your present circumstances doesn't mean that God loves you more or less. It's the blood of His Son that proves His love for us, that He gave Him for us. And knowing that will lead us to make decisions in our life, to prioritize our relationship with him. Are you prioritizing him, or are you prioritizing others over him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your your word. Pray if you convict us and change us that we would be more and more like you. A lot of questions were asked in the beginning of this sermon, Lord, and we realize that no matter what state we're in, we have everything we need in you. We pray that you would lead us and guide us, that we would fall more in love with you and less in love with the world, Lord. That we would be dedicated to you and be focused on you, knowing that we will spend eternity with you. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you need prayer, come on. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.